We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com B-E. That's IXL.com B-E. E. This is the Resilient Schools podcast on the B Podcast Network. I am the creator, Jethro Jones. In this podcast, we help schools become resilient, which means that they are able to adapt and overcome any situation that presents itself. Enjoy the show. Today, I am honored to have Nadine Levitt on the program. Nadine is a Swiss-born German, Kiwi, U.S. transplant, and founder of the music technology company Whirly LLC. She began her career as a lawyer, but after six years of practice, she began to pursue a career in music as a professional opera singer and songwriter. She has performed extensively all over the United States and the world, sharing the stage with greats like David Foster, Andrea Bocelli, and Kiri Te Kanawa. Passionate about music in school, she sits on the National Board of Little Kids Rock and in 2016 led the development of the music education platform Worldly EDU, which empowers student voices and makes it easy to bring a fun and effective music education to schools. Nadine is also an author of children's books, including the My Mama Says book series, which teaches kids to identify, acknowledge, and direct their emotions. Well, Nadine, thank you so much for joining me on the Resilient Schools podcast today. I appreciate having you here and to hear about what you're doing. And I wanted to start by talking about PD Reimagined, which is taking a different approach to preventing teacher burnout. And teacher attrition is such a big idea right now. Uh, What can you tell us about PD Reimagined? Yeah, teacher attrition is such a big deal and uh, has been on my mind for about two years. So this has been two years uh, in the making. I come from a different sort of, I don't come from a traditional trajectory within education. I've been in education for about 10 years, but I come from kind of both the creative side, having been a touring opera singer, as well as the corporate side, having been a lawyer and then on the business business end. And I think PD Reimagined combines those worlds in an interesting way, in the sense that in a corporate setting, if morale is low, 
if um, people are, are leaving and so forth, and there's, uh, you know, the um, competence of people is, is going down, so morale is low. What do you do? Well, you bring in usually motivational speakers to shift mindsets, and there's a lot of really interesting work that people have done on that. There's a, a wonderful study by Imodino Yang, and I, I think anyone who can look it up, go look at the TEDx uh, talk that she did in Manhattan. That was brilliant. But she talked about how how inspiration can shift mindsets, and that's a really crucial piece of it. So motivational speakers is one thing. Another thing is team building exercises, making you feel like you're not alone in this sort of community, you know, a sense of community and, uh, and creating that safe space. The third thing is related to value. How do you provide a sense of value to these people so that, so that you're feeling heard, feeling honored, feeling uh, valued? And some people in the corporate world do that through gifts, experiences. Um, sometimes it's just thank yous. And sometimes it's, it's salary increases so, or bonuses. So what we've done um, is emulated that in PD Reimagined. And uh, every month, teachers who sign up uh, get a care package. It's all based in uh, self-care and wellness. So one of the things that we noticed is that teachers find it extremely difficult to uh, take care of themselves. They don't often know what self-care is because they're such giving, giving, giving people. They're all thinking, how can I bring this back to my students? How can I bring this back? And um, we really wanted to encourage them to put their own oxygen mask on first. So these are care packages for them, not things that they can bring back to the classroom. It's, it's, it's self-care packages. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a quick question here, because I think that the, the idea of teachers taking care of themselves is what is going to lead to a school being resilient. Um, one of the things I, that I say often is that resilient schools are led by resilient principals who support resilient teachers, who teach resilient students. And what happens there is that it's this self-perpetuating thing that is a cycle that everybody can feed into and feel because they are all part of that thing and they are all part of the experience of being resilient and taking care of yourself. And that's so important and something that we don't think about. I want to ask a question about these bringing in speakers, for example, I see that as a microwave type approach that it's this, this fast jolt of energy or whatever that makes you feel good in the moment. But then after that, it fades. And so you started getting into this other aspect of it, that it's ongoing with the gifts and, and appreciating value and taking care of yourself. So um, talk about how those two things work together the short hit inspiration, and then the slow cooked, you know, you're in Austin, so you know about slow smokers and, and slow cooking meals and how much better that is. So talk to us about that. Yes. So it is, you're right. It's absolutely, it, it's actually a journey. So it, it, every month has its own theme. They get their care package, which actually kicks off. That's the first sort of hit, the microwave hit, actually, that is the, is the care package that makes you feel good in the moment. It does last a little bit longer because it's things that you can do um, for yourself to take care of yourself. Um, and then we bring in, um, uh, they don't know who the speakers are every month. So there are hints of who the speaker is and there's the excitement that builds with that. So we've had a lot of speaker, a lot of our participants say uh, how exciting it is for them to sort of work with all of the school to think about like, who could this be? And and so on and so forth. And then they come to the virtual summit and there's this uh, speaker who speaks about the theme. And there's a guest, the speaker, 
And then after this microwave hit of inspiration, as you call it, which I love, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, they work in groups um, and they collaborate and they come up with some strategies that they could, what was the big aha moment basically? And what are some strategies that I could use in my daily life that I could commit to trying? So they then uh, share those back with us and they make a commitment to try something. And it can be as simple as listening to a song in between classes. It's, it can be 30 seconds of a song and it's amazing how quickly that uplifts you. So we've given them a bit of a toolkit of things that they can do in two minutes or less or three minutes or less just to refuel them and remind them of this journey. So really it's a, an ongoing monthly cycle and we build on it every month. Yeah. So tell me some of the themes that are not all of them, obviously, but some of the themes that are are meaningful and valuable that uh, you think really resonate with teachers. Well, we had our first one was uh, on self-care specifically. It was on how do you get up when you don't know where the ground is? And we had a speaker who was, uh, her name is Kath Cushell, who was fantastic. She was the uh, cricket uh, captain of Australia when she in a freak accident uh, broke her back and she had to relearn how to walk. Um, She was just catching a ball, landed wrong, broke her back. And she, in that instance, uh, was trying to make sense of what was happening to her and why it happened. And so when she met somebody and fell in love and rehab, as they were rehabbing her, she um she thought well maybe this is why it happened to me that I could meet this love of my life and you know uh, they kind of went down this whole journey and then um the day before they were both to leave rehab he committed suicide wow so she had to like get up again and then rebuild her life she leaned on uh, kindness of others and herself and she loved how it made her feel when she was kind to other people. Um, and when other people were kind to other people or her, and, and it was something that was just really living with her values. And then she built up her life again. She started a nonprofit, um, uh, called the kindness factory. And as she was training, she was training for a triathlon. And, uh, as she was training on the bike, got hit by a drunk driver, um, broke her back again and had to, for the you know, second time, go through all of this for the third time, you know, really lean into her belief system and her values. But so this is a woman who knows resilience. This is a woman who knows like how to get up and life happens to you. You can either be influenced by it or you can influence it. But she is just something that she is just this great example. And some of the things that she shared real strategies for in the moment when those waves come, where you feel those waves of overwhelm or when you feel those waves of uh, anxiety what can you do? Some like breath work, for example. Um, so that was one. Another one was, um, we had some really amazing guests. We had, uh, Chris Harrison and Lauren Zima on talking about the power of curiosity. Uh, and, and then we had, um, Antonio Biragosa, who used to be the mayor of LA, uh, talk about how do you move through criticism and opposition and have a growth mindset and, and really continue talk about resilience. You need a growth mindset, yeah. right? Not going to happen overnight. It needs, it needs to uh, be something that you put effort into and it's not an end destination, it's a journey. So those are just some of the things. We've also had um, some uh, James Fauntleroy, um, who's a two-time Grammy award-winning artist or four-time maybe. I am. He's um, a songwriter and a producer. 
and he's best known for having co-written a lot of Justin Timberlake stuff. So he was talking about the power of music to move you. And so his strategies were specific to like, how can you utilize and, and leverage music to reinvigorate, refuel you? And, you know, it, it feeds into resilience too, because sometimes when you feel all alone, you put those headphones on and you put on a certain song. That's that unseen unspoken friend who just puts his hand on, on your shoulder, you know, when you, in those times that you need it. Yeah. I, I like that idea. Now I, I like music, but I'm not like you, a singer and songwriter. So I have this different appreciation of it. Um, however, my, my great grandpa was a, a, an organist and directed a school of music for, several years. And what I think is so amazing is that music has this power to bring us together, that somebody can write lyrics to a song that can impact millions of people because of that. And they have this ability to, to transcend the, the typical ways of interacting to make it so that we can see and hear others in different ways. And I think that that that's one of those little things that's just so meaningful and powerful that you don't really think about. And truly, music is powerful in that regard and something that can bring people together in ways that other things just can't. And, uh, you know, one of my rants is that we were taking out music from schools and decreasing funding for that because it's not a quote-unquote tested area. And yet that's an area that could you know, literally save people's lives because of what it does. What else would you add to that? Yeah, absolutely. Look, uh, I, I have an edtech platform, Wally EDU, and um, we used to work with Camo on PTSD specifically, uh, so vets with PTSD working uh, on music therapy. And here's the thing about, and, and actually Wally EDU itself teaches music, yes, but the end goal is not just to teach music, it's to teach social and emotional skills because there's so many, there are so many things that you're doing with music you talked about collaboration earlier. Problem solving is a good one because you're doing the same thing when you're when you're learning a song. But what's in, the most powerful thing to me about music? Um, and I just want to point out, you know, we don't teach math to be a mathematician or science to be a scientist or English to be a writer. I don't think we should be teaching music to be a musician from the outset. Yes. I think that should be elective. But I don't. I just, I think that it sets us up for failure. But most people in the world like music. They might not, they appreciate music. They might not play. Uh, they might not write music, but they listen to the radio. And here's, the, here's the, the physiological thing that's going on with music. Music makes us feel things in part because it's one of the only things that can actually get inside our bodies, right? And like our eardrums make our eardrums move and our brain's going, what, what just happened? Like, what was it? And it's trying to catch up with like trying to recognize patterns of what this could be. And so therefore it brings up memories for people. It brings up other past experiences and patterns and so forth. So it's kind of an interesting, very um, human experience that music makes us feel things and it can interrupt other emotional cycles that can otherwise hijack us. And so that's why I think music, just listening to music, and that's why we've created a bunch of different playlists for people to make it really easy, um, depending, but, uh, you know, um, Spotify, uh, all the streaming services do this too. You can actually search for something by emotion and uh, you can just listen to songs by emotion because it can set 
the tongue and it can make you feel things. Yeah. So I have a, a great story that goes along with that. I have this song that I listen to whenever I go get ready to present or something like that. And it's what helps get me in the right zone. So when I was in uh, Siberia, Russia, for two years serving a mission for my church, we did a concert. And of the, I think there were like 20 people there, um, everybody was really good at singing and musically inclined. And I was the only one who was not. In 10th grade, my choir teacher said, Jethro, I think it's better if you just mouth the words, which obviously is a horrible thing to say, right? But I didn't really have a role in that group because I couldn't sing. So they asked me to be the MC and the conductor. But I didn't really know how to conduct, but it didn't matter that much because they could do just fine without me. And I was basically, you know, just there for show. It was very kind how they were treating me, right? <laughs> but we sang this song there that is called, that was called Kone, which is by a, it's like basically a Russian folk song. And it's this beautiful song that I just love and Every time I feel like I need to be my best, I listen to that song and it helps remind me to be my best and gets me in the mood to be my best. And this happened over 20 years ago. And still to this day, I feel that every time I listen to that song and it brings back that moment 20 plus years ago where I was there doing something that was awesome. And you're totally right about that. It really can help us change our moods. And I've seen with kids in school how putting on some music when a kid is dysregulated totally can help them get regulated back to where they need to be. And it's just incredibly powerful. I knew we'd get to music at some point in this conversation. I figured it'd be difficult not to, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's so ingrained in who I am. We had, um, actually, they've done a lot of studies, really interesting studies in the corporate world. Sort of, they, they said um, if, a sh if a store plays classical music, people are more likely to buy the more expensive items. Mm. Isn't that interesting? That is. So I think that there's a lot more studies that need to be, um, uh, that I'd love to see anyway, about the effects of different types of music because there's definitely the right type of music for different things like if you're going to if you're trying to calm down and calm your uh, central nervous system the last thing you want to do is listen to like Eminem right but if you are on a bike and you're trying to get up a hill Eminem's perfect and like all those calming sort of classical music it's going to drive you nuts mm -hmm. so, <laughs> so I think there's the right thing for different circumstances and depending on what it is that you want you can absolutely that awareness of of the fact that music can make you feel something now puts the power in your hands to be able to say, well, how do I want to feel? Because there's this emotional response that's going to come based on just the music that you choose. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very true. And I've, I've definitely seen that. Before we move on, let's hear from our sponsors. So let's get back to the, the topic of PD Reimagined. And um, you talked about a couple of things, uh, self-care, curiosity, music um, as themes um, in that. And, you know, a, a lot of teachers and school leaders listening to this might think this is out of reach. I can't I, I can't do this. I don't have time. I don't have energy to to do these special things i can barely just like make it to school each day what's your advice for someone who is who's starting to feel that burnout what can they do to rekindle their passion rekindle their why in themselves so 
I find it very interesting. It's the, the perception of time scarcity. Um, and I get it. I'm a mom. I run multiple organizations. I am very passionate about lots of different areas of my life and time scarcity. I sometimes feel, my, feel myself getting, getting sabotaged by this sort of mindset, but it's really brought on by an emotional response where you're nearing overwhelm. And the thing about overwhelm is that it basically is a response to other really big feelings that you're having on your central nervous system and your central nervous system is, is sounding the alarm and it stops you from responding or problem solving. It really makes you react. It's like, you know, when you're grieving, for example, you're grieving the loss of something. It's very, very difficult to then focus on anything. I, I remember, I mean, not so, not so long ago, I just, um, my, my dog of 13 years died and it was devastating. And I'm trying to read a, a science journal. Like I need to get something in. And I read the same paragraph 37 times before I finally was like, I can't do this right now. Yeah. So I get the overwhelm piece of this. You can interrupt overwhelm and just being aware of how it works, I think is a big piece of this. Being aware of how these emotions work and how you can interrupt it. So just for example, stopping whatever it is that you're doing so that that momentum isn't continuous and do something completely different. It might be, you know what, I know I have to, I have to um, uh, check these assessments or whatever it is, uh, but, but right now I'm going to spend 10 minutes going for a walk outside or listening to music just to interrupt whatever that cycle is. And the nice thing about PD Reimagined is that we've built this for you so that people can utilize it and it's actually free for teachers to participate. We do have um, districts as partners as well where we come in for physicals of activations. But if a teacher is feeling close to burnout, we want this to be accessible to them. So thanks to amazing sponsors, corporate sponsors, including Nickelodeon, who really took a chance on us early on and was like, we believe in this. We want to support you. And may the whole pilot possible world EDU also, uh, this is available. So basically everything is sent to you. So it can be in your home or it can be, you know, the, the care packages are in your home. You can uh, catch the virtual summits live or after the fact. Um, you have access to communicate with other teachers. But I think it's very difficult. If you, if you stop the cycle of overwhelm, it's very difficult to logically reason that 10 minutes in a day is not obtainable. Like you have to be able to find 10 minutes in a day for you. Yeah, that is so powerful, Nadine, because it it feels like we can't do that. I don't have any time for myself. But what you said there is so key. Once you stop and interrupt the overwhelm, then you can find it. And and that's the beauty of this is that you, so much is going on in our own minds and we are just believing everything that our mind is telling us even when that is not even the case, right? And so this idea of interrupting the overwhelm and then saying, okay, once I do that, now I can find time because I'm not feeling overwhelmed in this moment. And that overwhelm is going to come back, right? It's not like, you know, listening to your favorite song is going to make it so you're never overwhelmed again. It's going to come back, but it's about establishing these patterns, routines, habits that keep you leveled and not so overwhelmed. What else would you add there? 
I, I think the more that you do it, the more that you apply these skills and you're learning these skills and develop these skills, the easier it is to come back from overwhelm. Yes, it will continue to come back, but the easier it'll be for you to deal and process it. I like to think of all emotions, they're really just messengers and they're trying to signpost something for us. So when you're feeling overwhelmed, it's just sounding an alarm that your nervous system needs a break. Just when you think of it that way, like everything has its own message. Anger, for example, I hate it when people say it's such a, it's a negative emotion because I don't think it is. I think it's all our emotions are just responses, emotional responses that we can't control and they'll come and go. We can control the thought patterns that you just referenced earlier, the thought patterns that and, and I just want to sort of give a little background on what that is. So your thought patterns, we are as human beings, just wired to recognize patterns. Can you imagine how overwhelming it would be in life if we didn't recognize patterns, if we couldn't automate certain decisions like, oh, how to tie my shoelace every time I walked out the door. If I had to go, okay, now, is this the right way to do it? Is this the best way to do it? Like you do a risk assessment, yep, out the door, off you go. So we use these patterns of behavior to figure out what's the best response for us. Those patterns can be based on actual experiences. It can be based on things other people have told us. It can be based on media and movies. And often they're not based in fact. Mm -hmm. So the stories that we start, we try to make sense of things that happened with patterns of behavior. So you have a lot of um, different, I think a lot of people feel overwhelmed when they have a lot of different projects on at the same go and at the same time. And a lot of them have the same deadlines or similar deadlines and they start to feel overwhelmed because there's too many things going in the hippocampus of your brain. So it can only have one thing at a time in there. Um, and when they're competing, it's your central nervous system going, uh, which one do you want? Like make up your mind, <laughs> you know? And so, um, What's interesting about the pattern recognition and the thought process and the stories that we tell ourselves is what I call it, is we can control that. And the more that we're aware of it, so Brene, Brene Brown uh, has a very powerful strategy that she recommends, which I love and I also use with my kids, which is when you become aware that you're telling yourself a story, say it and say, right now, I'm telling myself the story that you don't care about what I'm, what I'm asking you to do. And what's interesting is, you know, my kids have started picking this up. And so my eight-year-old the other day, when I got super frustrated and, and, and really disappointed in some of the things that she was uh, doing, because she was not getting ready for school. <laughs> and we'd, we'd had this whole conversation. We'd had this whole like agreement and I thought we were good and uh, we weren't. She could see my face and she said, hang on a second, mom, before you say anything, are you telling yourself the story? I don't care. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I am telling myself it's so many years why, but it did interrupt, just the awareness interrupted the cascade of emotional responses to those stories that I was telling myself. And I could, you know, respond rather than react. And I think so often, um, you know, just the awareness, it doesn't mean we don't feel emotions and we don't feel challenging um, emotions. Uh, we will, and we'll continue to do that. At the end of the day, they're only present in order to signpost what it is that is meaningful to us and what we care about. Um, and it's trying to motivate us to behave in a way that is most fulfilling for our lives. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. I had these cards that I put on my door uh, as a principal that said, I have a storyline 
which is basically a permission for teachers to come into my office and say, here's my storyline card. This is the story that I'm telling myself and tell me if this is accurate or not. Like, and it usually revolved around you're mad at me as the principal because of whatever. And 99% of the time I actually was not mad at them. And I didn't even know they were holding this grudge. And I was talking to a, a principal last week and she said that uh, a teacher was very upset with her because as the teacher was coming in from recess with her kids, the principal was looking at her watch, which the teacher interpreted as I'm late, I'm in trouble, she's mad at me. And the principal was just standing there and got a text message and her smartwatch notified her. And so her looking at her watch had nothing at all to do with this teacher, but the teacher was upset for days because she thought she was going to be in trouble because she came in late one day, even though she didn't even know if she was coming in late. She just thought that that's what was going on. And these stories are so corrosive. And like you said, it, they're just patterns. We just see we see someone looking at their watch. We think they must be checking the time and they must think that we are doing something wrong because that's a pattern or whatever. And, and that's really, really challenging. Um, anything else you want to add? I love, I love that you had that card. I think that's a really, really powerful leadership tool. Um, I would encourage any leader to take that on. That's a, that's a really powerful strategy. I love that. Yeah, I will definitely put a link to those cards because there are more of them, not just the storyline card, but things that are uncomfortable for you to talk to your boss about, especially in a school setting. I'll put a link to those in the show notes because they're so powerful and they, they resolve so many concerns. One of the other things, though, that you referenced, but you didn't, it wasn't um, sort of, you know, it was it wasn't as top of mind, but it was um, in order to allow or give permission to teachers to even share some of those storylines. You need two things. One, you need a relationship with them that where they trust you, right? So you have built this community where there's a common goal and there's not an attack of things. There's no like the risk. I think when people feel risk, it really limits learning. Um, and the other thing is like a relationship where you're feeling both challenged and supported. So mm -hmm. I think with those two, two sort of sides to the relationship i think that's that was obviously present when you were a principal with um teachers giving you those cards um but that's also a very powerful way to build a resilient school because you're in it together and i think that feeling of isolation of feeling alone there's there's this emotion shame that we might know about um but i think a lot of us um hide that you know they hide certain things and those passions and those storylines um, because we fear that it makes us not good enough. We fear that that might be true. Um, and by sharing our storylines and by sharing it with other people, there's no way that shame can live in those circles. So mm. I think, uh, you know, the role of shame in a resilient school is also really, really important that we feel like um, there's no space for shame. Yeah. And, and when you share shame, then it makes it so that it's not shameful anymore. Correct. Because the shame is that you're holding it inside, that you're doing it, that it's me doing this. Nobody knows that I'm making these mistakes. Nobody knows that I'm not doing this right. I'm the only one who knows. And that is what is shameful. And so when you go tell other people something that's shameful, they're usually like, oh yeah, I've done that before. 
or yeah, I've experienced that. That's not a big deal. And then you feel this weight lifted off your shoulders that is just incredible. Yeah, as long as the culture is one that is like that uh, and that people aren't using it to then push you down further and shame you more. Yes. But I think, um, absolutely. I think the nice thing is it can really reap, it can build a depth to community because if you realize that there's a commonality, that, that all of us flub the dog, like all of us still yeah. sometimes, right? Um, uh, all of us make mistakes and it's only with those mistakes. It's only with moments where we go, oh God, I wish I hadn't done that with regret and all those sorts of things that we learn. That's how we learn. That's what makes us, prompts us to evaluate and reflect on how we could do things better. So the more that I think, one other thing that I wanted to touch on is, and I hear it in, in other, uh, in, in your podcast of the past as well, but is the need for people to take responsibility for their part. And I think that's also really, really powerful that if you, you know, um, for PD Reimagined, one of the things, one of the questions we asked the, uh, our participants was how many of them felt like they were leaders in their schools? And, uh, and I, I, did they feel like they had any leadership role? I, I, I think was the question. I was expecting 100% to say yes because you are leading a classroom, right? And right. Or not you're leading anything else, you are leading these students in the classroom. Um, and there are lots of opportunities, even when you're not formally sort of a leader for you to lead. Um, and so I was very surprised when it was just, uh, just over halfway, a half, you know, half of the participants said that they felt like they were leaders. So um, that was surprising to me. And I think, you know, the power of feeling like you have a leadership role is that you then both look to external factors, but, but first you start with what can I do differently? What can I do differently and how, so that I can have a different outcome? Because in every situation where there's, an, there's a result that you don't like, or, uh, you know, a more, it's some kind of an obstacle or challenge that you're facing, there's always something that we can also do. There might also be external factors that also need to be tweaked. But I think the more that we can start with, okay, what can I do about this? The, the better, the more likely it is that we can learn from it. Mm -hmm. and, and I really like that, um, that idea because when you, when you see yourself as a leader, you see yourself as responsible for what's going on. When you see yourself as a follower or as a victim, it's easy to blame someone else. And so you, you know, every, every teacher knows they can go into their classroom, shut the door and do whatever they want. Right. And they can teach however, and whatever they want. And they, they do that when they feel like they are being told to do things in a certain way. And that's their way of rebelling. However, that's the reality from beginning to end. <laughs> and, and there, there's no need to do that in a rebellious stance, but rather to do that in a leadership stance to say, I have control over this situation and I have a responsibility as well to do something great with these kids. And I've, I've seen teachers who have that mentality and I've seen teachers who don't and those who do it's it's very visible and you can tell that they are really really uh, attuned to what they have responsibility for and why it's so important for them to do their work so well and that they can change so many outcomes that they that many others would feel they have no opportunity to change at all. It's also more student centric, I think, in the sense that yeah. you're, if you're taking a leadership role, 
you also then know that self-care is really important because you're modeling it, right? And and you, you see all the different opportunities if you're, and it, it's all tied together, the, the, having a growth mindset, uh, modeling for your students uh, what that means and how, what that looks like and and always remaining. And, and one more thing, I guess, is remember that before anyone is a teacher or a school leader or an administrator, they're actually a human being yeah. with need, you know, and, and with those emotions. And the same is true for everybody else in the field, uh, even a student, even like everybody. And so the difference, I guess, with teachers in particular is that if you are a teacher, it's such a defined personality, like identity. Like when somebody is a teacher, suddenly it means that everything has to be G-rated in your life. <laughs> yeah. Right? Or if every, like if, if anyone, I, I recently complained about this to a friend. I was like, why media is in not, like imagine how cool it would have been if friends, like in, in, or a show like Friends, one of them just happened to be a teacher. It's not in the foreground, just a part of who they are. Because I think people forget that these teachers are human beings. Yes. And, and, and like they're going to want to also live life, their own life. And, yeah. and I think that's just so, talk about patterns, right? It's so ingrained in our society that if you're a teacher, then this is who you are. And it's such a defined identity that um, many people start to believe it. And they're like, well, this is who I am. I am a teacher. And it's like, no, I teach and I'm, you know, I'm Nadine and I am a teacher. <laughs> like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, same as a parent has a similar thing. When you're a, a, a mom, for example, when I was a new mom, it was very defined for me what that was supposed to mean. And I was a working mom and it didn't fit into the defined sort of definition of what that meant. And it brings up all sorts of emotional responses of guilt and all sorts of other things. And I think teachers feel the same way as this identity that's kind of forced upon you um, and accepted by many. And I think that we just have to stop for a second and remember that actually we're human beings first and teaching is what we do. We happen to care a lot about it, but it's not, it's not our, our sole defining feature. Yeah. And when those disappointments come as they will, when you are defining yourself as a teacher, it is that much more difficult to manage the challenge, the burnout. Like if you define yourself as a teacher before you define yourself as a human and then you get burned out from teaching, then you feel like a complete failure because the thing that you've used to define yourself is is causing you grief and stress and you feel like you can't do it anymore. That's a very dangerous place to be because if that's what you're living for, then that gets taken away or becomes too much, then you feel like you don't have anything else to live for. And that's not a healthy place to be for sure. What about an existential crisis, right? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, Nadine, this has been awesome talking with you. Thank you so much. PDReimagined.com for uh, support in teacher burnout. That's free for teachers. So if you're listening to this, go check it out. Um, and if you are a principal or superintendent, then uh, go there as well and say you want to partner with them to do this for all your teachers. And this is a great way to um, to support others and help them you know, stay in the career longer because they're feeling satisfied and happy. Uh, thank you so much, Nadine, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. 
There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master's schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com slash B-E.